0: Well, good morning. My name is Mark. For those of you that are visiting, we appreciate you being here. Hope I get to meet you at the end of the service today. We are finishing a series on twisted uh, scripture. And um, one of the things that gets twisted a lot in the Christian life is this whole concept of forgiveness. Um, And I'm not talking nearly as much about God's forgiveness. I'm not talking at all about God's forgiveness as of us, I'm talking about our forgiveness of each other. I think we would all understand that would be an essential part of the Christian life. I'm not sure anything is more important in your Christian journey than to be habitually forgiving people that snub you, that offend you, that do something to you that they had no right to do because it happens all the time in small measures and sometimes in much greater measures. Um, An unforgiving spirit, you know as well as I, is something that works deep inside of you at a subterranean level and grows and grows and grows just like you think you got that root up from that tree and you pulled that stump up but you see a few months later this little twig growing up there's unforgiveness is something that festers in you it's a poison in you and you don't forgive someone because of their benefit you forgive someone because it's the best thing you could ever do for yourself there's plenty of passages in, in the Scripture that talk about the absolute necessity of forgiveness. Uh, bottom line is you cannot be in right relationship with God if you are harboring an unforgiving spirit. Uh, it's just impossible. It's impossible to do that. If you're going around uh, and you have the old word is ought, if you have ought against your brother, if you have something against your brother, uh, um, and I'm not meaning a fleshly brother, I'm just meaning a a brother or a sister or someone outside of the faith, if you have something against them, they have something against you, uh, we cannot be in right relationship with God if that just continues to go on and on. Now, sometimes we won't know someone has something against us, and God will bring that to our mind, and when he does that, we have to act on that. But it's just bottom line with all the passages in Scripture. And there's passages in Scripture like, if you don't forgive others, then God won't forgive you. Now, I'm not sure I know what to do with that passage theologically because that passage seems to contradict some other passages that salvation is by grace through faith, and it's not our works, lest anyone should boast. But the very bottom line we can say on all of that is you cannot be in right relationship with God if you're harboring unforgiveness. That is not Of God. As Steve Banley would would say, that doesn't smell like Jesus. (laughs) It's essential. Um, That's why we hear lots of messages on it, but the more messages we hear on it, probably the more that it could get twisted. And forgiveness can be made out to be something that it's not. One of the ways that forgiveness gets twisted is like forgiveness is just acting like it never happened. Just sticking your head in the sand and just going on with life and just like pretend like it never happened. That has nothing to do with the biblical concept of forgiveness at all. Some people say uh, forgiveness is um, is excusing people from the consequences and the baggage of what they did. There's no, that's not in the Bible. There's nothing in all in the Bible about that at all. Our forgiveness from God, we may be marvelously forgiven from God, but there's still consequences that remain from our past actions. I mean, uh, you 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 can cheat on your taxes and go to jail because of that, and can be marvelously forgiven by God, but you still got to deal with IRS. Okay, you can be a lousy dad, and you can be marvelously forgiven by God for that, but you still may you still have lots of issues with your kids. You can be a porn addict, and you can be marvelously forgiven by God for that, but your wife trusting you again is another issue. So we have to, our, our consequences remain even though we're forgiven, and so why wouldn't it be the same thing here on the human-to-human level? Some people think forgiveness is just complete restoration of a broken relationship. Well, that, that's, there's nothing in the Bible about that. So, um, so my uncle, while he was babysitting our kids, he he let's, let's just say that he abused them, and there's there's full restoration of that relationship, and I just let them go, let him let our kids go and be babysitted by my uncle again. I mean, I can I can forgive him for that, but that doesn't mean things will be like they were before. One of the really weird ways that forgiveness gets twisted is that people say, well, you know, forgiveness means you forget what happened. (laughs) That's about the most absurd thing I've ever heard in my life. You know, how are you going to forget what happened? How are you going to forget that thing? How are you going to forget what she did to you? How are you going to forget what he did to you? But yet, we'll hear that sometimes forgiveness is equals forgetting. And I think that comes from a couple of passages in Scripture that talks about that God remembers our sins no more. Isaiah chapter 43 is one of them. And it plainly says that God remembers our sins no more. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, which is a fast, it was a sermon all in itself, And remembers your sin no more. And so there's passages that says we're supposed to give because the Lord forgave us. And if the Lord remembers sins no more, then I guess we ought to do the same thing. If that's what that means. It's repeated in the New Testament in Hebrews chapter 8 verse 12. And it says basically the exact same thing again in the New Testament. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So does God have a kind of divine amnesia? Is that what that means? You know, there's, there's passages that says that God will, when he forgives you, tosses your sins uh, as far as the east is from the west. He, he puts his sins behind your back. So the Bible talks about and recalls the sin of lots of people, Right? It talks, let me just pick a few. It talks about Adam's sin. It talks about David's sin. It talks about Peter's sin. We could go on and on about all the sin. So the Bible remembers things that God doesn't? we got a theological problem there if that's true. I remember my past sins. I remember things that an omniscient God doesn't. Or does remember my sins no more mean something else? meaning that he will never bring them up again. I've told my boys, okay, what happened will never be spoken of again. That's another way of saying I I, I, I won't remember it. I won't bring it up again. That's what God means. God doesn't have divine amnesia. So why do we think that suddenly... The things that she did to me, and he did to me, and they did to me, and that I can suddenly forget those, and and that can really derail the forgiveness process. Because I guess if I'm supposed to forget them and I'm still remembering, then I haven't really forgiven. So I guess I really haven't done this right. Hmm. This forgiveness thing is something that can really get twisted. Couple of scriptures that we'll launch from today, and I could have picked a lot. Ephesians 4:32 talks about God's that uh, forgiveness of us, and because God has forgiven us, we're not to we're to forgive one another, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as God forgave you. Colossians 3:13 basically says the same thing in different words. Bear with each other. You know what? It, you know what it means to bear. Some of you young kids don't want it to be. when when I would hit my. Thumb, uh, when I would hit my thumb with a hammer or something, my dad used to go, grin and bear it. And your dad say that to you? Bear it means to put up with it. (laughs) It says, don't throw a fit, Mark. Don't do somersaults. Just grin and bear it. It says, bear with each other. Put up with one another. And forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive because the Lord has forgiven you. And I I think we would say, yes, I get it. I know that it can be poison in my spirit. I know that it can derail my Christian life. I know that I can't be in right relationship with God and harbor unforgiveness against him and harbor unforgiveness against her. But how do I do it? Do I just forget it? Do I just pretend like nothing ever happened? Do I, just, do I just erase all the consequences of everything that's ever happened because of that thing that that person did to me? Or do we do it the Bible's way? How do you forgive? Well, the Bible says one really important thing is that you just stop keeping score. You stop keeping score. With every premarital counseling session I have, we'll go over 1 Corinthians 13, chapter 5, and where love is defined. And the Bible says love keeps no record of wrongs. And I've told you before, every single couple I've ever had in my office with marital difficulty, they've been record, one or both of them have been record keepers. They'll tell me about something that happened, and I'll say, How long ago did that happen? And they'll say, eight years ago and then I'll just shut up and let their words sink into themselves so you're telling me something that happened eight years ago is still plaguing you today I had a good friend of of mine in the office last week or the week before I can't remember what it was And I said, Brother, you got to let this go. Or you're going to be, when I'm long gone and retired, you're going to be in the next pastor's office complaining about it. And I don't want that for you. I want you to be free of this. The Bible says love, and as Christians, we're supposed to have love toward everyone not love is maybe defined as a certain way, but just good feelings and treat everyone in a, a loving way, and the Bible says that we, we they'll know we are Christians by our love, and it defines Christian, and it defines love by keeping no record of wrongs. Now, this is fascinating. Let me share a little bit with you. Sue put me through seminary by being a school teacher, so I feel like, Every now and then, I got to give you a little Greek that I learned in seminary just so she can get her money's worth on this, okay? (laughs) The word that's translated, keep, uh, don't be a record keeper, love keeps no record of wrongs. I looked that up this week. And that word appears not only in 1 Corinthians 13 5, it, it appears a lot in Romans chapter 4. And Romans chapter 4 is one of the most deeply theological passages and chapters in all of God's word. And so this word that's translated love keeps, keeps no record of wrongs. This same word that's translated keeps, gets tra- it's, it's translated other ways in Romans chapter 4. What do we have up here? The Bible says, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. What did, he, remember, did he, I don't have time to go in the whole story. God told him he was going to have a son in his old age through his barren wife and Abraham believed him. Okay? And the Bible says Abraham believed that. And God credited it. That's the word. Same word as keeps no record of wrongs. Credited it as righteousness, accounted it as right. God knew that Moses really wasn't righteous. He knew that Moses really wasn't sinless. He knew that Moses wasn't a perfect person. But because of Moses' belief, he credited it. He accounted it as righteousness. He didn't didn't look through his rose colored glasses and pretend that Abraham was righteous. No, he says, Because of Abraham's belief, I'm going to count that belief as righteousness. So, when I keep no record of wrongs, it's not like i got to do some kind of act and put on glasses and I pretend it never happened anything. I know it happened. I know what happened. But I'm not going to count it to them. I'm not going to put it on their ledger of accounts. I'm not going to keep any record of wrongs. Romans chapter 4, verse 4 continues here. Now to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation, verse 5. However, to the one who does not work but trusts God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited. I'm trying to tell you that that, that, that God he, he knows that they're not righteous, but because of their belief, He counts that as righteousness. And it's the same word that I'm supposed to keep no record of wrong. So I'm not supposed to pretend that Sue is an absolute perfect wife. I'm not supposed to pretend that my kids are perfect. Can't kids i'm just supposed to keep no record of wrongs i'm supposed to not hold it against them not put it on their ledger not credit their not not put that on their account keep no record of wrongs let's be honest how many scorekeepers do we have in here today peter one day went up to Jesus and Peter decided he was going to be a super duper saint and show off to the other disciples how, how great a disciple he was. And he says, Jesus, how many times should we forgive? Seven times? And Jesus says, no, how about 70 times seven? Now, my dad told me when he was a first Christian that my dad was so clueless about the Christian faith, he thought that meant 490 times. So it's not like a keeping score thing, because if I'm keeping score, I'll forget about, the you know, once I get to 317 times, I'll lose count, and I won't be able to get up to 490. So it's not just keeping score, it's just 70 times 7. It's not just 7, it's, it's 70 times 7, 700 times 7, 7,000 times 7. This is not a record-keeping kind of thing. But that's in our hearts. We want to keep records. Right? Because when someone offends us, you know what? They owe us. Don't they? That's what our heart does. Our hearts are little. The Bible says our hearts are are wicked. And our hearts can do weird things. And when someone offends us, we, 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 we want to get paid back they owe us and we keep the tally going the first way that you forgive in a biblical way is stop keeping score husbands when your wife does something, says something she shouldn't you can become a scorekeeper or you can choose to love her because love keeps no record of wrongs wives When your husband does that same thing again? You can choose to be a scorekeeper or you can love him because love keeps no record of wrongs. Now, what would our divorce rate be if people practiced that? What would our divorce rate be? But we have a high divorce rate because people are naturally record keepers, score keepers. You want to forgive as the Bible wants you to forgive? It starts with, don't keep score anymore. I know what they did was bad. I'm not diminishing that. It's like I'm going to say the same thing I said in the Get Over It series. I'm not, when I tell you to get over it, I'm not belittling it. I'm just saying... Man, whatever you gotta do to get over it, start it. Because I don't want you in the next pastor's office complaining about the same thing. Don't keep score. But then you gotta look yourself in the mirror. You gotta look yourself in the mirror. Because that verse comes back again, Colossians 3:13. That comes back again, you know. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So why do I forgive? It's because he's forgiven me. So I can look myself in the mirror here and see, do you know what God has forgiven me of? And I'm holding something against someone else after God has forgiven me of all of that? I can look myself in the mirror. That's what the Bible says. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Turn around and look yourself in the mirror and understand the boatload of stuff that you've been forgiven of and how selfish, how arrogant of me to withhold unforgiveness from you if God has granted it to me. And Jesus even tells a parable about that. Jesus says there there was this debt of, of a untold amount of money that this man could never ever repay and the guy just forgave him the debt and so this guy was forgiven of this unbelievably huge amount of money and then he turns around and goes to a friend and a little small bit of money he says pay me that money that you owe me and it's just a little small bit of money and he says, if you can't, can't pay me that bit of money I'm going to throw you in debtor's prison and God was saying are you telling me that I forgive you from this unbelievable amount and you go and extort it out of this guy that owes you a little bit And God is showing the depth of forgiveness here. Look yourself in the mirror. How many times has someone had to forgive you for something? Well, I would never do that. Well, okay, your sins are different. Maybe you wouldn't do that. You've got a different personality. I don't buy that. Maybe you wouldn't do that. Well, what do you do? And you need forgiveness for what you do. Well, but, 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 you know. We don't want to turn around and see ourselves in need of forgiveness. You know, you, you go to Kings Island or someplace like that, and you, someone there is, is drawing caricature. Am I saying that right? Help me pronounce that word. Thank you. I was absent in third grade that day. They told us how to pronounce that word. <laughs> And, and so they take a, a, a certain part of someone's uh, facial, you know, the way they look, and they blow it out of proportion, right? Okay. Here's a good example of that, okay? All right. That's not exactly a caricature, but it kind of is, all right? Now, to make a caricature of our president, you just need two things. You need the hair and the mouth. That's all you need. Now, it don't even need... To look like him too much. If you take that hair away it, and take the, the, the red tie and the white shirt and all that off, it don't even look like him that much. But you know it is because of the hair and the mouth. And sometimes we do that to people that have hurt us. So they say someone has lied to us. When we see them coming, the only thing we see is liar. We blow that huge we don't see the other things in their life. We don't see what they may have gone through. We don't see the, the hurts and struggles that they have in their life, which is probably pretty similar to the hurts and struggles that I have in my life. We, make a, we just see them as liar. Liar. If I, if I really, really want to forgive somebody, i got to look in the mirror so I can forgive just as God has forgiven me. I have a quote up here. It's kind of, the, the, the slide is kind of light, but this, this is a marvelous quote. And I found it this week as I was, as I was studying. This is a marvelous quote. And I don't have any idea who the guy is and can't even, can't even hardly read it. But, man, look at that. Forgiveness flounders because I exclude the enemy. The enemy would be the one who offended me. Forgiveness flounders, you know what flounders means? Everybody it? Forgiveness fails. Forgiveness flounders because I exclude the enemy from the community of humans. I just make, make them such a bad person. I wouldn't do that. What kind of person does he think he is? Was he raised in a barn? We, we exclude the enemy from the community of humans and myself from the community of sinners. You get that? I sure can't see myself in that person because I surely wouldn't do that. I'm too good. Have a look yourself in the mirror. I got a video here by Dr. Charles Stanley, who I don't know if he's still the pastor at First Baptist in Atlanta or not, but he's very influential pastor in 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 the United States, and I've seen him on TV and all that stuff. and his father died when he was nine months um, old, and, and he, had, so he was raised by his stepdad, and the stepdad was very cruel to him. And uh, this short little video clip, I've had to cut a lot out of it. If you want to look at it all, you can YouTube and search Charles Stanley interview, and it'll come up. But um, this is a little bit how you've got to look yourself in the mirror on this whole issue of forgiveness. Can we play that, Jim?
1: Knowing the home that you grew up in, you talk in your book about living with angry people. From the age of nine, you had a very angry stepfather in your space every day. You say in your book, he didn't ever speak one word of kindness or encouragement to you. Never. And it was violent at times. How, how has this temperament resulted or survived the, the years of, of abuse that you experienced? Well, you know, uh, I was saved when I was 12, and I guess God knew he'd better get me early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I had a difficult time with that for a while, and even after I had gone away to college and left home, deep down inside of me, I could still think about the things he said to my mother. It was not so much what he said to me or what he didn't do for me. It was the way he treated her. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember one occasion that um, I came in and he was acting like he was going to choke her. And I ran and shoved him off her and I told him, I said, if you ever do that again, I'll kill you. Now, I probably didn't mean it, but um, he never touched her again, for one thing. And um, I had to deal with that, and I was a pastor. So one day I was just praying and thinking about something I was going to preach, just like the Lord said to me, you have unforgiveness in your heart. I thought, well, toward whom? Because in my circle at that point, I didn't have any, and he pointed me back to my stepfather. So I This went. was old stuff. This was old that stuff. That had just never been cleaned out. That's right. So I went to see him, my wife and I went to see him and my mother. and. Um, uh, we sat down and I said to him, I said, John, I said, I, I want to ask you to, to forgive me for something. And immediately he said, oh, you don't need to ask me to forgive you. I, I said, yes, I need to ask you to forgive me. And I told him, I never accused him of what he did. I never mentioned anything that he did. I just said, I need to ask you to forgive me for holding an unforgiving spirit toward you. Now, if I had said, because you did this and this and this, that would have canceled it out. Because if you're going to ask for forgiveness, you don't name the problem. Mm. Maybe in some situation when the person doesn't really understand what it was. And so um, I can still remember that uh, he got up, came around the table and hugged me and asked me to forgive him for all that, that he had done. and. Um, that was a very emotional moment for me. How beautiful. And uh...
0: Uh, The book that Dr. Stanley has written called The Gift of Forgiveness, I would recommend that to anyone. Dr. Stanley has had to work through a lot in the forgiveness <laughs> issue. He tells a story about um, being associate pastor at the church. He is now the senior pastor out and how they tried to run him out and vote him out and people would be his friends one week and not his friends the next week and literally one time when he was preaching a sermon someone come out of the congregation and hit him with a clenched fist right in front of everybody you know how those Baptists are you know Anybody walk out on that statement <laughs> I would recommend the book by Dr. Stanley, Dr. Charles Stanley, the Gift of Forgiveness. Did you hear him say that he had to look himself in the mirror and go ask his father to forgive him because i 've harbored an unforgiving spirit against you after and the story is the story is. Uh, lengthy about how poor his stepdad treated him it's lengthy he said I need to ask your forgiveness when you turn around and look yourself in the mirror your sins can look big too If you want to forgive the way the Bible says forgive, and not not any kind of thing that we get twisted or some preacher came preach this one time, you know. No, the way the Bible says, the Bible says, first of all, you've got to stop being a scorekeeper. And second, you've got to look at yourself. You've got to look yourself in the mirror and forgive as God has forgiven you. There's, There's one other thing. This is hard, and I'm probably not going to explain this very well. There's a debt, right? When someone offends you, there's a debt. You feel that, don't you? They owe you. But you know what? For you truly, to get free of this, you have to pay their debt. They're not going to pay it themselves. You have to pay their debt. Because there's a debt there, right? They, they, they owe you, right? And, and, and when the Bible talks about forgiveness, it uses an economic word a lot of times on, on um, paying a debt. And a word that's used in business a lot, that the debt was paid. That's the word that the Bible uses a lot when it talks about forgiveness. Isn't that, is it any wonder then that when the disciples asked Jesus how we should pray in Matthew 6, chapter 12, Jesus says, forgive us our debts, Forgive us what we owe you as we have forgiven the people who owe us. There's a a debt there, isn't there? You you know this. Let's take off our Christian clothes just for a second and, and just be honest. They owe you, don't they? You feel that in your spirit. They owe you. And they don't owe you cash. The currency of forgiveness is pain. You want them to hurt, don't you? You want them to hurt as bad as you're hurting. You want them to get what they have common. Can anybody be honest enough to say that is in your spirit? That is what this debt is. You want them to hurt. And so you, you go around and you, you, you try to get them to pay their debt. And so you go off at them and you scream at them and you try to make them feel bad. And, 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 and you, you go around and, and you tell other people about it. And in, 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 in in, under the guise of prayer requests, of course. But it's, you tell other people. And, and there, there's nothing wrong with finding a trusted friend that you totally unload on. And you and, and you and that trusted friend have, have this, um, this, this understanding that she can tell you and you can tell her. And, man, you can just... There, there's people you have to let it all out. I understand that. But it don't go to every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Yeah, it don't go on Facebook. We need to pray for dear Joan because she has really offended me. And then you go into what she did. And you're extracting, you're you're trying to get from them what they owe you with gossip or even ruining their reputation or slander or just being cold to them. They owe you a debt. And you're not too Christian not to feel that. They owe you. And the currency that they can pay that with is not cash, it's pain. You want to extract hurt from them you want them to hurt just like you hurt and how do you know you haven't really worked through this whole forgiveness thing if you have those feelings towards somebody if if you still want them to hurt if you still want to prove them wrong If you still want them to pay, if there's any feelings like that, if you don't want them to succeed in whatever they do, if you want them to get what they have coming. Somewhere it says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Now, if you have those kind of feelings, you know God is showing you, you have not forgiven that person. So how do you pay their debt? How do you pay their debt? Well, when you're tempted to go off on them, you don't. You know what? That'll hurt because you want to. You want to. And when you're tempted to gossip about them you don't and that'll hurt because you want to and when you're tempted to put a black mark on their reputation you don't and that'll hurt and when you're tempted to to be cold to them and walk the other way when you see them at Home Depot and whatever. You don't. And in that way, you're paying the debt. And you're, t- and you're doing what the Bible tells you to do. And you're not returning evil for evil. But you overcome evil with good. Good. You don't return evil for evil. You overcome evil with good. This is a whole lot easier preached preach than done, I know that. And I don't have nearly as much to forgive as some of you do. I've had a few things in my life that I've had to let go of. Nothing huge. Some of you got stuff, man. Some of you got stuff. And, and I'm not here to tell you that forgiveness is this little step one, step two, step three. No, it, 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 it could be a journey but please start it. That's what I mean when I tell people to get over it. I'm not belittling them. Just do what you have to do to get over it. It may take a long time. You may need to go to professional counseling. You may need to do a lot of things. Start the journey. And in that journey, you'll find that you need to Stop keeping score. You need to look in the mirror. And you need to inwardly pay that debt yourself that they owe you. This is a God thing, friends. I mean... Mark walks past you in the hallway and doesn't say anything to you, and you can forgive him. That's not a God thing. You can get over that yourself, okay? But some of you got God things to get over. And the good part about this is that he is desirous of that poison to be taken from you. He is more desirous of that root of bitterness to be taken from you than you are. You're not in this alone. This is a God thing. You can't clench your teeth and do this in your flesh. This is a God thing. Our servers are coming to the table, and can I be frank with you? We're getting ready to remember what Jesus went through to forgive us. Can I be frank with you? If I'm in line to be able to take the body and the blood of the forgiveness that God has given me, how dare I hold forgiveness against someone else? Can I be frank? In fact, can I say something even more frank? If you're harboring forgiveness in your spirit today against someone, don't come take the elements. God will not be mocked. Galatians chapter 6. Now if you're ready to start that process, and it may start with remembering what God has done for you, amen. Come on. But if you've got obstinance in your spirit, and I will not forgive her. Don't come up here today. You're mocking him. You're mocking the forgiveness that he's wrought for me. Any rot for you. It's a serious deal, man. You cannot be in right relationship with God if you're harboring unforgiveness with a fellow human being. You wonder why you're drifting spiritually? There's a wall there, friends. A friend of mine that came in and talked to me, I told you, I told him I didn't want him in the office after I'm Gone and talking to the next pastor about this. He, he told me what he's really struggling spiritually. I said, well, duh. Of course you are. You've got unforgiveness in your spirit. There's a wall there. Man, take that root out. Don't let your future be hindered for something that happened years ago. What your dad did, what your mom did, what your husband did, what your wife did. You know what I found in the counseling room? I got to quit. You know what you've, I found in the counseling room? A lot of parents, and they won't even talk about it because it sounds so unloving to say it. You know how mad some parents are toward their children because their children have caused them such problems? Their children are... I've tell them the same thing over and over again and they keep doing that and they've, they've, they've bottom line of that is probably pride because they've given me a bad name that's it isn't it that's it man dig up that root and be free to be the Christian that God wants you to be Father, this is, um, is big-time stuff here. and One little message doesn't do it justice. And, Lord, I, I, I just know, I don't know too much about this. I just know what your word says. Help me and help the rest of us to be habitual forgivers. Help us to not be scorekeepers, to look ourselves in the mirror and to pay the debt ourselves. Deal with us now as we come to the table and to the altar. In Jesus' name, amen.